Nothing much. I've been playing Legends of Equestria this weekend. Oh. What was it, open server weekend? Yeah. So they scared me away when Hub aired the G3 episodes. I'm still trying to get over what I saw. That's not <laughs> seen the light of day. Sort of like Son of Man should never have seen the light of day. <laughs> and I know... I've seen those movies before. Oh. Those Generation 3. They should have shown some of the G1, really giving people a treat. Uh, G1's the best. I know, but no, they had to give us a horror story. <laughs> also joining me, boy, I feel like I'm taking your job ranting about it, Crespo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm just playing My Little Pony on my smartphone, which finally it has average intelligence enough to play the game. Uh, I've already uh, conquered it. I'm already at level 80. Well, I had to re—I had to restart new phone, so I'm all the way back at the beginning. So, well, you better uh, check your dances because I keep giving you uh, send requests, send you hearts. Yeah, I've—I've I've been having a few problems with the Equestria Girls dance section. It crashes on my phone, but eh, whatever. I'm here to talk He-Man this time. <laughs> hey, we're uh, trying to show that we're equal to both the Red Isle and the Blue Isles. So, what else has been going on with you, Chris? Oh, I've been helping on a crossover event with the theme of Diary of Ador Kid. There's a toy sto- uh, story with toys going on, and there's a crossover down at the House of France, and I've been pretty much rantless for a few days, except now I have an excuse to rant about the new Bay Turtles, but that'll be another rant for another day. Now, Renee and I will be going on that rant on uh, Thursday night. <laughs> and also joining us from Nerds on the Couch, my fellow... Colleague, Renee, how's everything going? I'm scared to go see Ninja Turtles. Well, it's not that horrible, Let's in all not, fairness. Yeah, it, it's not that, It's not as beified as it should have been, thank God. It looks like they just took his money and not his ideas. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, I'm gonna, it's a bit above the Uwe Ball, a bit, a bit above his level of bad and Way above Tommy was so level of bad, so so it's a bit okay. Let me put it this way: it's a bit better than Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. Well, they told me that it's it's basically for kids. Is that it? Um, kind yeah. of for kids, but it's for more for the teens. For the for current era teens, not our era teens. So right. I some mean, people have said that they they sound a bit too much like ghetto hood rats and. Ghetto is lightly. It's the current lingo, so... And then I get, the only criticism that I have aside, Megan Fox, which wasn't horrendous this time, was that Johnny Knoxville wasn't the perfect fit for Leonardo. He feels a bit out of place. The rest of the Turtles was a bit decent, and it's obvious that they had to do a last-minute change with the whole Shredder thing, because it seems like they were trying to go with the whole white Shredder, then, nope, let's shove in a Japanese guy at the last minute, then. Well, it's, I, it's a, I heard that Megatron called Shredder and said he would like his costume back. 
I mean, it's not. If I were to give it a grade, I would say a five seventy five out of ten. It's bad, but it's not bad. Bad. It's. And I'll save my comments for Nerds on the Couch, which you can check out every Thursday night live. But I let's mean, get to I mean, let's I get to say, more horrible things with He Man. The one thing is, I think it only got the PG-13 rating because the name Michael Bay was attached to it. It could have easily gotten a PG. Hmm. Considering that they always, like, push the envelope a little more, but... It yeah. was, that, was, that was Nick toning down, because I've heard, I've heard comments about Nick toning down some of the stuff in the, on the oh, movie, so... I, yeah. I may regret to say this. I kind of want to see a director's cut of the movie, because it seems that Nick had to for some cuts to keep it shorter and more kid-friendly, so... Kidding, I was upset they did nothing at the end of the credits. Don't even wait through the credits, just go. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's a sequel slated for 2016. Well, I knew that they were going to push it, because, you know, this is the Nickelodeon film, so... No, but but they, they officially announced it, so... Yeah, and there's a lot of elements from the Nick TV show that you can find throughout this. No, they they, if, if they call it uh, Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, yeah, and by the way, Disney XD to, today is exploding the, exploiting the whole turtle craze with the classic turtle movie. So here's here's my advice to people. If you're going to see Jonathan Liebesman's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, do yourself a favor. Stay at home and watch the classic movies on Disney XD or go and watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Go and see Guardians of the Galaxy. You'll be... Leaving with a smile on your face, a tune in your heart, and wanting to see it again. Yeah. And again. Or just wait until the movie's at Walmart and just stand at, stand at the electronics section and watch it for free. <laughs> okay, but we have to get on to some He-Man and She-Ra business, guys. And we're, we're on my favorite topic, smiles. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't wait to do this because... It's spending time. So, where shall we begin, boys? Ladies' choice. Oh, leave it up to me. So, let's see. Well, we have Rio that we haven't talked about yet. So, let's look at our brave start. I mean, uh, cowboy. Rio Blast. Heroic transforming gunslinger. Real name? Real... Okay. She <laughs> <laughs> hit the first snag right there. Okay, who really wrote this guy? Relisio, I'm probably mispronouncing it too. Relisio Blast. Just should have left it Rio. There are characters whose names are just Rio. With the ability to transform from a normal warrior into an awesome arsenal of firepower. Rio Blast is in all ways the fastest draw in the universe. As the sole survivor of a group of heroic explorers from Florida's in the star brand near Eternia, Rio ends up as the law in that lost frontier. Flung by a meteor, I know it says meteor, but when I saw the uh, card it said meteor, to the surface of Etheria, Rio allied himself with the renegade masters of the universe in their battle against evil. Real Blast is nodded by the fact that he has left behind an untamed star band and he is often chomped at the bit to get back. He-Man 
promised to aid Rio Blast back home as soon as the warriors of Skeletor have been defeated once and for all. Rio Blast transforms into a one-man arsenal to get the drop on his enemies. Okay, yes, I was right. Saying uh, Brave Star here. The uh, meteor, meteor. I don't know that. Com- that this was copied straight from HeMan.org. So yeah, the person. Oh, it's a meteor. Uh, it does say meteor on the card back. Okay. I actually videotaped each card back, so I was able to double check. So because the way they were positioned, certain words could have been blurred, and whoever was looking at the picture and typing it from me from the picture onto HeMan.org probably didn't notice it. But even on um. Dan's review of the figure. I paused it, and on the sa- the review samples, it does say Meteor. Now, I find it interesting how strong some of these warriors are, because he got flung from space all the way to another planet and survived. Well, in all fairness, he could have been in a small pod or ship or something, and the Meteor hit him mid-flight, and he, and he crash-landed on Eternia. And we know that many people crash-land on Eternia. Yeah, it's a great place to crash down on and stay for a while. Okay, I'll I'll go with that because it, it wasn't clear, you know, in the bio how that happened. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll concede even... that point. Okay. Right now I'm picturing poor old Rio floating alone in space, like. Yeah, I can't see him floating alone in space without being crushed by something else. I think he was in a spaceship of some kind. Okay, I'll I'll concede that because it doesn't say it's not clear. But, you know, this is one of them bios that, it's not the worst bio, it's, it's passable. But I keep thinking, man, you know, He-Man promised, to, I don't think He-Man fulfilled that promise. <laughs> in all fairness, in all fairness, his bio is completely straight out of vintage material. So, that's why it isn't that bio, but that bad. But, again, like Octavia before him, Octavia is a real name. She didn't need to be called Polyp something or other when her real name is Octavia. And here with Rio, realist, uh, no, just Rio. You could have used this as a first name or a last name. And you could say, like, the blast is, like, from his attack. Like, like for example, in Super Smash Brothers, Captain Falcon has a Falcon punch, Falcon kick. Well, Rio has his Rio blast or something. And that's how he got the nickname, but no. Realist Blast. Well, then again, we're talking about the same universe. We have a guy whose real name is Chopper. I mean, there's nothing that says they couldn't have left Rio. I mean, yes, there's another toy line that has the main male figure whose name is Rio. It shows you that it's fine to be a name. I mean, what they did for his first name was totally ridiculous. It's almost as if we had, for example, a character named John Spector... And then we change his real name to Jonaluth Spectre. No, it's simply John. I would have been in favor of uh, having it a completely different name, you know? Because <sighs> realist, real, whatever, you know? It's kind of like, come on, name him Chuck. <laughs> Maybe or, they could get the rights to the word Chuck. Or they could have called him, like, Carlos Ray Rio. Well, because I always keep thinking, you know, I mean, the first one, when I was a kid, I thought it was Chuck Norris. Looking at the original, because I have the vintage figure. Now, he kind of looks like, uh, uh, man, I was going to say, Kurt Russell in Tombstone? Sam Elliott. It kind of looks like a younger Sam Elliott. You think? Yeah. I mean, 
from the nose down, he kind of looks a bit like a younger Sam Elliott with a lot of with a lot of round stash dive. And from the th- from the top of the nose, he he kind of looks a bit. If I squint, he kind of looks a bit like Billy Ray Cyrus. I have heard everything from Kurt from uh, the bearded Kurt Russell to uh, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's tough to point out who he looks like, but he looks like somebody. <laughs> I'd buy the Sam Elliott one. I wish they did like uh, Charles Bronson, like he looked in the original. But yeah, Charles Bronson, Chuck Norris mix. Yeah, I know there's a third party head floating around by a customizer. Forgot his name right now, but he has a more Charles Bronson slash slash Chuck Norris looking real head. Sadly, it's unpainted and I'm not that good with paint, so I'll skip that head and can't wait to get that figure. But it's the name. Damn it, it's the name what kills this bio in a bad way. They should have named him Chuck Bronson. Completely 80s action hero, Chuck Bronson. Chuck Bronson in <laughs> Masters of the Universe. No, 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 I got it. Chuck Bronson in Starbrand Law. Yeah, but I, I, come on, really, I don't think He-Man actually went back and helped him clean up the place. I don't think oh, so, too. No, the, prom- yeah, the promise was like, oh yeah, you help me here, then we'll send you home. How are you going to send me home, partner? Hold your breath, friend. He <laughs> into space. Well, I really don't think uh, He-Man got back to him to help him out because that will lead to a different bio that we'll talk about shortly. Because <laughs> okay. he I'm heading to space. Uh, pardon me, partner, but you promised me to send me home. Sure, sure thing, Rio. Just let me just let me finish up this whole help the space mutants be defeated and I'll be back for you. Um, I've got a family issue I need to deal with first. You know, part of it is that I, I kind of see this might be an opening for Brave Star. You keep bringing up Brave Star. It feels more like Brave Star, like they're trying to get it somehow into the Masters of the Universe. I know the cartoon came out at the same time as Real Blast, and why a lot of fans keep asking, please. Mattel, get the rights to Brave Star so we can have Brave Star classics with our Masters of the Universe classic. Yeah, but people forget Brave Star was a failure. Yeah, but it was a cool looking failure. <laughs> I mean, it was a filmation creation, and uh, there was, I remember uh, originally, there was going to be a He Man crossover. Right. But it didn't but, happen. Well, part of that was when Brave Star came out, was when um, L'Oreal bought filmation. And you can't really have a cosmetics company running an animation studio. And within two years of them taking over Filmation, they sold it. First closed down and then sold it off. And that's why I do not use L'Oreal products. (laughs) The sad part is my sister-in-law works for them. Oh, wait. She didn't marry my brother, who's a make Skeletor look nice. Well, here's the thing you people need to understand, because they've asked me too at times, say, well, why would a makeup company buy Filmation and all that? They did it just as an opportunity. Oh, yeah, they looked at it as an investment. Yeah, and it had nothing to do with makeup, it had nothing to do with anything. They just bought it because the opportunity was there to make money, because they were going to buy it and sell it, which is what they did. Studio and, flipping. Yeah, and... But I remember the ads, and I remember I looked at the toys, and I didn't get into the toys, and obviously not a lot of people did. Now the toys are up in value because nostalgia, but it's it wasn't a successful toy line, and it was almost a blatant ripoff of uh, 
He-Man and Masters of the Universe. When you look at the figures, you look at the designs, I mean, you can just see the parallel. And then I still remember, what was it, that they did that Sherlock in the future? Yeah. And that was a crossover into Brave Star, and I was like, oh, boy. But, but in all fairness, I think the toys, what killed them was the scale, because I've seen the Brave Star toys, and they're all about the same size as classics, so they worked there, but back then, not many toys were in that scale, so... That kind of ruined playability. And, I mean, you're going to have a Brave Star He-Man crossover because Vintage He-Man was very small compared to Brave Star. And that's not even touching Brave Star and G.I. Joe. Well, the toys were electronic, right? I remember that. Um, how articulated were they? Because I remember they had like a quick draw feature. You know, I really cannot say on the, the articulation. They had a bit more than Masters, but I don't remember exactly how much it was. So maybe this is their their uh, door into it, but you know, <sighs> real blast. People always complain about him, saying, "Well, he doesn't fit." Well, he kind of did, you know. I mean, in the mini comics, he had a presence. Uh, I remember, especially in the UK uh, comic books slash magazines, he was there quite a bit. And I think this bio is pretty much straight from them, isn't it? I think I think it's between the style guide and maybe something from the UK comics, except the except the chili peño peppers. That I think that's from the vintage mini comic, and I know that in I think it's the UK comics that Snoutspout was Rio's partner, and something about Rio being afraid of snakes and Snoutspout's trunk making him feel a bit uncomfortable. But if anyone has printed has scanned copies of that story, they can post it at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Club, Or just post a link to it. Okay. So I think we're pretty much done with uh, Rio for now? Yeah, I think we're done for now with him. And I mean, we'll probably be coming back to him once we get the figure in hand because yep. I've heard some problems with... Ruben. Yeah. Even a certain... A reviewer who loves all his toys had problems with this figure. Mm-hmm. Not good. Okay, our next one. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> I know she just hit the third tree. Bo and Cowell were both wrong. Madam Raz, magical witch of Whispering Woods. Real name, Regina Raz. Madam Raz is a twigged witch who lives with her people in the Whispering Woods on Etheria. After the Battle of Bright Moon, she welcomed the surviving royal family and their supporters into the shelter of her magical forest. Helping to form the Great Rebellion, Madame Raz and her servant Broom went on to become core members of the Rebellion's leadership, especially because she's only one of the three on Etheria that knows that Adora is actually Shira, Princess of Power. Often accused of being absent-minded, Raz has a tendency to mispronounce her spells, sometimes leading to comical results. Despite some flaws in her magic-wielding abilities, Madame Raz is a kind soul who wants to see Etheria free from the Horde's evil tyranny. Well, this one's almost word for word right from uh, the Princess of Power Bible. Well, what could you really do? You couldn't. Unless you, you go into, like, the area of fan fiction and all that. I mean, it is straight up, and uh, this is one that doesn't really shape much into the storyline, but it does explain her well. Yeah, I mean, there's no controversy here. 
there's no controversy here. There's two controversial things here. Her name, she finally got a name, and basically they made her a queen of the Whispering Woods. Not to mention, we finally got the answer of what is Madame Rat? She's an oversized twiggit, a, a giant twiggit, if you will. She's a purple oversized twiggit because the twiggits are green. Well, and, but that might be because she's supposed to be royalty. I mean, she's still short. Yeah, but for compared to a twiggit, she's huge. And the other controversial point is Broom is her servant. Not her partner, not her sidekick, servant. And I don't think Broom would agree with that. She's always cleaning up her mess. I think I kind of, you know, I don't know why people are upset with that word. Because that's been up on the chat rooms and in the boards and all that, saying they're, they're upset it's a servant. And I always assumed... That he is, you know, that's the word for him, because I always assumed that she made him. And it, and in witchcraft, most times the groom is the servant. It obeys its master. So that's just coming out of known traditions. Yeah, like I always assumed, like, with her magic, she made broom, you know, kind of like a Disney thing, where, you know, she put some magic spell on her broom to clean up exactly, you know, like what it does, and... It's just because of her magic, he has a mouth. and But he doesn't disobey her. No, he just razzes her. Yeah, I mean, but he won't flat out say, no, I'm not going to do it. He'll do whatever she wants. Probably do it anyway. No, but I'm saying, I think he's he's one that will actually do it. So I think that's a good word for him. He's a servant. She made him. Let's just back away from the whole broom thing and let's get on to the next bio. Well, no, well, what's the thing with that? What's, what's the <laughs> issue? Uh, let's... You the topic might turn in might go into unfriendly territory, so let's back away from I mean from this bio. Best in this bio was her divorce from the other wizard, and I can't remember his name. Uh, Fritzel, I think it was, or something. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing they missed. But it's not really that bad of a bio. But again, it's it's one of those princess of power characters. They are doing stupid things like Natasha loves fashion and dresses and. But Bo is totally not gay, and, and here we have, Madame Rest messes up her spells, but she's a really nice old lady. Which, yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, but it's, it's like, pop characters get no cool stuff to do in their own bios. I kind of wish we could get, like, a kick-ass Princess of Power bio. Oh, we'll be getting to that soon. <laughs> okay, that brings us up to Lighto. And no, it's not a roll of scotch tape, and a press-on light. <laughs> they actually did create a figure. Light Ho, magical protector of the Crystal Castle. Real name, Lord Rygus Hope. In return for giving up his form, Lord Hope was blessed with great power by the overlords of Trolla. He was tasked to bring relief to those trapped in the dark dimension of the Spandos. Settling on the small planet of Etheria, he became known as Light Hope, and turned the planet into a garden of good in an otherwise evil reality. Lighthope built a great fortress known as the Crystal Castle, offering it as a symbol to protect the magic of Theria from the growing forces of evil. It was also Lighthope who prophesied that one day the Sword of He would be wielded by the Twin Warriors of Destiny, and they in turn would end tyranny of the Horde Empire. To ensure this came to pass, the Overlords declared that the Sword would be cloned so that each team twin could harness the power equally. 
Light Hope infused the clone's sword with the Stone of Protection, becoming the sword's guardian and safeguarding the secrets of its wielder, Shira, the Princess of Power. Yeah, this this bio kind of contradicts another bio. Let me see if I can find the Etheria bio. You mean the uh, bio? The, the Etheria map. Look at their source materials? Yep, because if I recall correctly... Um, Light Hope was supposed to be a living spell or something that was sent into the castle, into Etheria, into the evil dimension of the Spondo, something, something, and not some dude who became Light Hope. Well, again, I feel sorry for him, because apparently this was a dude, an actual living person, who was told, hey, give up your form and, you know, go to this planet. <laughs> and they don't explain why. Yeah, the... That's what I'm missing is that little bit of why. And I think the co- the problem with the Etheria file, which is on the Ethereum map, if I'm remembering correctly, was that file was written before they had the rights to filmation. You know, this is what we're going to hear from the propaganda machine, that they had to come up with something last minute. Okay, got got my map here. Okay, the Etheria bio. After the overlords of Throla harnessed the aura of the gods, they used his power of the universe to become immortal and vowed to maintain neutrality in all five dimensions. Sensing how dark the dimension of the Spondos was, they used the power to create a being of formless light and send him to the Spondos to bring hope to those trapped there. It's settled on planet... So basically, first they created... It's like they made a, a being out of the spell. Now it's like, nope, we got some dude and we turned him into that. And that would mean that Light Hope would be really from Eternia or something. And again, with the cloning swords. Swords can't be cloned. They can be copied. Well, that's going back to 1982 with them using the word clone. Yeah. I mean, that is... I don't think we'll ever get rid of that in our mythos. I mean, no, I'm surprised I... Mattel hasn't turned around and tried to trademark the word clone. I said Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars and Marvel would have a beef with that, because they loved clones. But, I mean, I don't mind them making magical clones of Skeletor, Hordak, or or Songster, just to name a character. But you cannot clone an object. Well, they didn't have the 3D printing at that time. Remember, the swords are not really swords. It's energy. And energy can be divided. I wish they would say divided the energy of the swords. Or split the sword into an... Something. Yeah, because energy can be divided. But, eh, again, you know, I struggle with it because you're right. The word clone has been overused. But I, I think they do it because they don't want to explain, well, you know, the swords are energy, uh, really take materialized form depending on the wielder, so then energy can be divided. <laughs> and, you know, they don't want to do that, so they just say clone. How'd it happen? Magic. You know, it's just... Magic. But making here, a magical copy. Yeah. Makes more sense than saying clone, but that's just semantics and grammar and all that stuff. And, and I'm sadly, shocked. Mattel's, Mattel's bio theme isn't that great in that area. And you're right, <laughs> Crespo. They, they contradicted themselves. Yeah. Wow. Their own, you know, not only is this a situation where the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, the right hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It seems like it has goldfish memory. And it would have worked so much easier just to say, hey, this was a being that created by the, you know, by the Trollans. And, you know, he formed the castle and all that. And he took during the last battle of Etheria. Cause he took I, humanoid form to defend the planet. 
Yeah, he took a humanoid form to fight with the rebels. There, you know, you could have had like one battle to free Etheria. You know, the Battle of Etheria. We're finding that out, that Etheria doesn't count anymore. Everything has to take place on Eternia. This is a struggle. It's like, you have a certain set of heroes, you have a certain set of villains. Now you divide it into fractions, and they have it in the bio saying that the princes of power join the masters of the universe. And so now, you know, the, uh, you know, Glimmer and all those, you can still divide them and say, well, they're rebels, but you could also now say they're masters of the universe. Well, remember, when they join the masters, they are part of the renegade masters. So basically, they're still rebels. But it's one faction. Uh, it's one faction of good guys versus three factions of evil. And now I need, like, a bunch of little of female Masters of Universe classic uh, glasses to put on all my rebels so they can be like, we were rebels, we were rebels before it were cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, just my last thoughts on this is just, man, they, those bio, they gotta stop doing the bios. <laughs> stop it. Well, we have maybe 12 more months of them. <laughs> It all depends if that sub goes through. Remember, if you haven't purchased a sub, please do so before 12 midnight on August 18th at MaddieCollector.com. Make your own bios, people. Just use your imaginations. And Maddie, do us a favor. For the bio area, just leave it blank. Let us type in our own. Okay, that brings us up to Eldor. The prototype that finally has come to be. Eldor, heroic guardian of the Book of Living Spells. Real name, Retrendel the Wise. The great sage and wizard of Preternia, Eldor arrived at the burning crater and discovered a cosmic warrior suffering from a strange technovirus with no memory of where he came from. Healing him in a mystical pool, Eldor inadvertently and unknowingly passed the warrior's techno-infection to the entire magical planet. In gratitude for saving his life, the warrior agreed to become Eldor's student and help free Eternia from the Snake Men. Until his memory was restored, Eldor dubbed him Grey in honor of Eternia's brave king and taught his apprentice to use a magic staff and the Book of Living Spells to defeat evil. Later, Eldor used the secrets of transformation to cast the three towers into Subternia, awaiting a time of great kings, when the past and future would need to intertwine. Eldor uses his magic as a member of King Grayskull's Masters of the Universe. Wow. I wanted more. You know, th this is one where I, w I really wanted more. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to know, what did the Technovirus do to the planet? Well, no, remember, <laughs> it gave, it made a... Uh, biological creatures with cybernetic parts. True. And it gave Eternians TV, it gave Eternians internet, and, and everything. Cause, no, because it says that the techno-infection, it spread through the entire planet. So basically, technology appeared like magic, and people learned to use it because they were infected by the techno-virus, and blah, 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 blah. So. But it seems like this the bio was missing something. Yeah, it feels, well, in all fairness, the bio is trying to cover all the bits and pieces that we've gotten from other bios like the whole hero the pool and i want to know where the heck's that crater in the map of preternia and the whole sinking the towers bits and ends that we've seen and this is why we need a sword deck figure 
Sortek would explain the whole technology angle. Sadly, he won't happen because no one likes Sortek except me. Oh, it's just like a weird head dangling on wires and an old man body. We've got the scrawny arms for him now, so we can have like the head the diorama with all the wires hanging and like have the human body there. Well, here's the thing. I expected more from this character. To me, I always thought this was one of the characters that had the greatest impact on the universe. Like, there was always, like, something with him. Like, he was a behind-the-scenes guy, front-of-the-scenes guy. This was one of the key figures in the history of Masters of the Universe. And in the bio, he only helped Eldor. He helped, sorry, he helped him at Hero. And he sunk the Three Towers. Really? He didn't do well, more than that? Well, he probably did more than that, but it wasn't all because I'm pretty sure that King Grayskull consults with him because he's our tendril, the wise. We don't see his fate. You know, what happened to him? Well, he illegally changed his name to Eldor because really, our tendril was <laughs> a real name. I'd probably change my name too. And this is why many fat. Many fans, they change their canon to have, like, Eldor, after everything happens, he goes to Ethereum and becomes Light Hope. The end. Okay, I guess that brings us up to Spinnerella. Dizzying Defender, real name, Cynthia. With the power to travel very fast across the ground, Spinnerella is very flighty and often confused, as one would expect from somebody who travels as she does. She always spins around and around, much like her powerful wind world. She is totally faithful to Shira and honest to everyone she meets. The Great Rebellion calls on Spinnerella to deliver important messages to their loyal friends. She has a spiral fringe skirt and a long turquoise and lavender spirals which hang from her cuffs. When she whirls through Etheria, these decorations rip around her and knock down all who come near. And this this is 100% right off the toy, the vintage toy. I was going to say, great, she's named after an ex-girlfriend. I'm, I just keep picturing that little doll that Angelica had in Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they should have updated her bio. I mean, basically, she's a dick, which she isn't. I mean, she is the hardest pop figure to get in the vintage line, and they shortchanged her. Well, Cynthia here, uh, <laughs> uh, really, yeah, I mean, it's a bio that says nothing. It contributes nuts. Yeah, she has spinning power. I mean, that's about it. Not even a last name. They couldn't even bother with a last name. You know what ticks me off the most about this bio? Cynthia. But with Real Blast, Real, Real is Blast, Eldor, our tendril the wise, here, Cynthia. Yeah, she doesn't even get a last name. Well, I don't think we have well, many people that don't have last names. Well, in all fairness, maybe this is her last name, Cynthia, and her real name is Cynthia Redretta. Anything. I mean, this is... It really says nothing. Could have done and dipped into a little bit of the filmation lore to give her more substance because she was a dancer on Etheria. That would have explained why she's always spinning around. They could have gone into a relationship easily with Natasha. Oh, wait, I forgot. We're supposed to be family-friendly, and we don't want people to think that there couldn't be people that go that way in the Masters, even though we know there are people that go that way in the Masters. I mean, they could have had a lot of more impact. 
Well, we know film. We know the the toy line is not going to go that way. Oh, I know. God forbid they show that they're in the uh, current century. I know, but it's it's a toy line. But you, a lot of people see both her and Natasha that go like that. <laughs> and that was even the the hint that filmation led to when they introduced both of those characters. Well, even in the filmation episode, I mean. I Didn't took it, you know, because I was a kid. I wasn't thinking of that stuff. No, but, but when you look back at it as an adult, then you can see it. Well, going back to an adult, you can see a lot of things that are not there. But here, you know, I would have, I took them as like party girls, you know, that they were like princesses, you know, party girls who decided to do something. And I always thought, well, you know, that's a noble characters, you know, that's how those two were. They were they were just out partying. I don't think they were from Etheria in the uh, filmation episode. No, they were just wandering around. Yeah, place party. Yeah, and I wish they would have included some of that here. And there was space for it. Man, it was short. This is a short bio. But uh, you know, I mean, if people want to do things and have them relationships with so and so and all that, you know, that's their business. You know, here it's. It, it, it is a difficult thing, especially when you're dealing with kids. And no matter what, this is a kid-friendly line. So it's a miracle to even say so-and-so got married with so-and-so. Which, too, same thing, I don't agree with, but eh, I wish they just focused on powers. <laughs> it's, it's just that this bio is like, so, and, uh, it says pretty much nothing, and it's friends, like, half the bio, like, uh, she's got this dress, she's, which is what I hate about some of the Princess of Power bios, and uh, projectile vomiting for Spinnerellas and attack. See, if I was a jerk, I would have said, oh, by the way, she marries Mechanic. Sweet me, honey of a guide. Real name, Beatrice Castle. Enhanced by the magic of Castuspella, Beatrice gained the ability to fly through the air like a bee. As a honey of a friend to Shira, Sweet Bee became a trusted guide to the good folk of Etheria. She joined the Great Rebellion using her Skyborne Advantage Point to spy on the evil Horde. After Hordak found a magical passage to Eternia, Sweet Bee followed him there alone with other members of the Great Rebellion, allying themselves with the renegade masters of the universe. Beatrice later fought in the second ultimate battleground, and led a brigade of special forces made up of Avion and Adrenid Aerial. Her squad fought an assault against Viper Tower, helping to defend it from a fleet of attacking Rodans. As beautiful as she is fast, Sweetly flies ahead to report on enemy movements for her allies. As beautiful as she is fast. Oh my god. Uh, this bio is full. With the filmation version of her origin. This bio is a hot mess. I mean, I'm not getting into the, uh, one line which makes total sense, because, total nonsense, because she can't go there alone with other members. I'm guessing this bio was obviously from the, uh, the style guide. And it was before they were able to, or before they had their, um, filmation rights. Obviously, but why couldn't they change it? The first few lines are directly from the style guide, but I would have liked them to change it. I'm sorry. I preferred her coming from space, help bring her people looking for a place to settle, 
and the little love affair, sorry, love triangle that formed between her, Frost, and He-Man. I mean, we all know that story. That was the be- one of the better pop episodes. I mean, she wasn't granted magical powers by Castastella. She is a, a separate world that was destroyed, sort of like the rock people, too. They were in the same situation, and she was a scout. I mean, I'm sorry, the one line where it says Sweet Bee follows him along with other members, the teacher in me is cringing. Oh, no, it's grammatically wrong. It said here, you know. Oh, thank God. Sweet Which Bee, one? it said, Sweet Bee followed him there alone with other members of the Great Rebellion. You can't have that. Isn't that uh, a double negative or something? It's a negative, Whoa. because how can you go alone with other members? Uh, I, I think I got it. She went with the with the... She was within her own world. <laughs> and not only not only that bugged me, uh, I'm not even going to touch the whole enhance my cast a spell as magic. Yeah. I'm not even going to touch that bit, but the yeah. line that, the bit that bugged me the, the most was the whole, as beautiful as she is fast. <laughs> yeah. We already have a problem with Sweet Bee looking like an underage cosplayer of Sweet Bee. No, no, no. Here's the thing, okay? Uh, I think it was the Fush... Um, they got some, some websites are starting to get those figures. And they look great. The package, they tweaked the package figures a little bit more. So, you know, we have that. But, you know, I just grammatically, you know, I'm still hung up on that one. Saying, you know, it's like, I am going to the convention alone with Kelly. I'm not really alone. (laughs) That's right. But the bio actually says along with other masters. Along? Oh, that explains it. Okay. So it was a typo from the .org. Okay. Yeah. I was just looking at the pictures at the foosh. Okay. Sorry, Maddie. Sorry, Maddie. Okay. <laughs> we can admit where we're we'll wrong. Look red pen. Okay, so I fixed that. So we fixed that one. But the uh, the thing is, is that a lot of us who watch the filmation, that filmation, the two episodes with her were so good. Yeah, and they should have included something, and they had the rights by then. And I Remember, bet you... they don't do rewrites. And they should have. You know, they could, they should, they didn't. And it's like, now you come up with this. So, again, I advise everybody, just ignore bios. To me, yeah, it's a... a filmation. That's how it is. I mean, I just see the bios as a way of us having fun, poking fun at whoever writes them. But I don't follow them. I make up my own mythos, and that's what I go by. And I think most of the people do have their own mythos. Tongue Lasher. Evil snakeman creature with the venomous tongue. Real name? Casher. Armed with a quick licking tongue that shoots out to reach enemies in battle. Tongue Lasher infects his foes with a dose of vile venom. Although he is loyal to King Hiss, he was brainwashed by the e- by Evil Lin into serving the overlord of evil for the time being. Tongue Lasher is an extremely brutal creature, more openly vicious than the other snake men, but still cowers before King Hiss like all the others. He likes to lash his tongue at just about anything, even his comrades to shake them up once in a while. Like Rattler, Tongue Lasher eventually became a member of the Evil Horde after he was passed over for promotion in favor of Cobra Khan. Flickering his forked tongue, Tongue Lasher stuns his foes with his venomous lick. See, I have not much to say on Tongue Lasher. He's not an important I mean, member. But I do. <laughs> but see, I'm not a fan of the Snake Man, so maybe that's why I don't have much to say. But I'll let you two duke it out. 
Okay, so this is just a minor nitpick. Just waiting, wasting space into the evil. Just call him Skeletor, damn it. And now we know that Dung Lasher has played for all three teams. He, he's played for the Evil Warriors. He's played for the Horde. It's pretty much a vanilla bio aside. The whole serving all three teams. It's like, oh yeah, he's a snake, so he flicks his tongue at, at everything. He licks you with venom. That's pretty much it. And oh yeah, he went to the Horde because that's the only nut to filmation will end. But he licks you. And he licks you. Because he totally licks you. I didn't know we had a puppy dog. Did you know that Thug Lasher licks you? How come none of these guys have venom that kills? It's a vile venom, so... He probably would kill, but logistics don't allow him to kill. Uh, oh! Don't get me started. I'm not on that bio yet. Well, I keep thinking, like, here, it's like he's been on all three teams. And I'm like, how is he still alive? <laughs> you think King Hiss would have killed him. But, I mean, the filmation thing, I mean, okay, I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong. He was on Skeletor's team. Um, I think he once, was, and uh, I think Rattler also showed up once. Uh, I think Rattler, or like an ugly-looking Coffle, came out in Filmation. And at first I was thinking that, and then somebody reminded me that he was, in the UK comics, part of Skeletor's crew. And then um, they switched it around because it got all weird and all that. And then, okay, yeah, he was... Uh, uh, he was a horde member in filmation. So again, they're trying to they added that stuff in. But yet they didn't mess around with Sweepy's bio. Come on. That's just laziness. But don't complain otherwise Tongue Lasher will lick you because he totally licks. I've been licked by a salamander before. It feels weird but I don't want it. <laughs> I mean but you'll survive. Drum roll please <laughs> And that's not even a drum roll, because I have no drums. <laughs> Arrow. Real name, Arrow. Loyal steed of the Ethereum bowman, Kyle Reckola. Arrow was trained from birth to soar into battle at a moment's notice, serving bow with the utmost loyalty. Arrow carries not only his master, but several queers full of magical arrows, each with their own unique properties. He carries bow not many great battles, both on Etheria and later on Eternia after several members of the Great Rebellion follow Hordak through the Laser Gate to aid the Masters of the Universe. During the second ultimate battle, Arrow saves the lives of many heroic warriors with his swift moves through the air and the ground. Personally, I don't have much to say on this. I mean, he's a horse. You're right. It's just a horse. I mean... The horse looks great. I mean, some people have been photoshopping him as blue because they want more toy-like. But I'm glad that film, I'm glad that Mattel utilized the filmation rights to make him brown. I mean, the only thing I have a problem with is his wings, and that's about it. I mean, yeah, horses can jump very high in the air, so I don't have problems with this. I wish, just for nitpicking's sake, like they explained how he could get wings. Like, they could explain, like, maybe through magic. You know what it is. The Shira goes over, puts her hands on to Arrow, says, For the honor of Grayskull, I give you wings. Or something. They explain that somewhere, like, in the bio. Like, a magic potion or something. Uh, it's easy. Spectre brought him wings from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have the option to put him with wings or without. I'm probably with going to show him without. 
Yeah, same here. Well, honestly, I'm probably going to put him in storage. But um, once in a while, I'll take him out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have room for another horse. I don't have room for another winged horse. So out wingless, he'll be. Kenny, I'm trying to figure out how I can make swift wind fly. I'm thinking fishing line and a stapler to, and staple him to the ceiling because I'm running out of space. <laughs> fly, swift wind, fly. I mean, okay, I've already got the griffin doing that. And I'm not going to do that to my vintage swift winds. <laughs> Mermista, mermaid friend of Shira. Real name, Alasia. Water maiden of Etheria, Mermista loves to spend time on both land and sea, but makes her home in the hidden Crystal Falls. She has the power over water and all creatures of the sea. From thunderous crashing waves to gentle life-giving streams are all within her power. She also has the power to spray magical waters at her foes. Equally happy to frolic beneath the pale blue sky or swim at the depth of the deep blue sea, she is happiest when she visits Shira and her friends. When the horde threatens to spoil the fun, Mermista mystifies her foes with her magic spraying necklace. During the second ultimate battleground, she was confronted by the evil merman of Eternia and was forced to behead him with his own triumph in her life. Mermista prefers peace, but when evil arises, this warrior maiden of the sea will fight to protect her friends. Well, I like how they mix the vintage bio, which is all the way down to the word during, with what she does in the mini-comic. Magic spring necklace? Yes, that was her uh, action feature. (laughs) (laughs) And she sprays you with magical waters. Okay, she spit on people through (laughs) Through her necklace. Now I need to get an old Jack-specific Carlito figure to have her tagged in, but but that's another rant for another day. I have to say that at least here we have a Princess of Power character doing something badass. Finally. But it bugs me that the bio starts all like, oh, she has the power to to control sea creatures, basically Aquaman with boobs. And then suddenly... She she throws what sprays waters at enemies again like Aquaman. She's equally happy to frolic beneath the sky and under the sea and then but she's at her happiest when visiting Shira and friends. It's like it's like suddenly we went into Hasbro's pink aisle and then Mermista goes badass and decapitates Merman with a trident. The only way she could have decapitated Merman was if she stabbed his neck repeatedly until the head fell off. Now just picture Filmation's Mermista with her over-the-top fake French accent, like, It is time to die, you freaking fish man! And Mermaid like, And then Mermista sprayed him with her water. I mean, I could see her her having Merman's head on the side and coming out and saying, He wouldn't listen to me any other way. (laughs) Don't mess with me! Mermista kicks ass, period. Well, I always tell people, you know, don't trust mermaids. You know, what you see in the little mermaid and all that, that's just false. Mermaids are really vicious creatures. How they were the sirens that led people to their death. But, you know, even Disney's Little Mermaid was had a bit of a, a, bit of a mean streak, because when she went above the water and she got the legs but was mute, her dinner with Eric, she, she was there and Eric was eating her friends like it was nothing and she did nothing. She was like, 
eh, he can eat my friends as long as he marries me. They never said she was vegetarian. <laughs> Okay, I guess that brings us up to the last bio of the day. Shira, Galactic Protector, real name, Adora of the House of Randor. After years of fighting the Space Mutants and the Horde Empire, the Protectors drew a truce with, with Skeletor to stop Horde Prime once and for all. After He-Man and Skeletor were blasted by Prime's Vortex Beam, Shira was left alone against all his might. Calling upon the honor of Grayskull, Shira snapped the magic from Prime's armor, ending the spell that prolonged his and all Horde members' extended lifespans. In an exception to her policy to protect life, Adora uses the Sword of Protection to kill Prime, forever ending the threat of the Horde Empire. But in doing so, Prime's evil soul lashed out against her, binding itself to her armor. Overwhelmed by the darkness, Shira once again became Despera, the evil warrior queen personified, original persona she originally created under Shadow Weaver's spell. Unleashed again, Despera resurrects Skeletor and helps bring about the fall of Eternia. And I am surprised the sword allowed her to kill because Stone of Protection should have stopped it. Even though I know it was foreshadowed in the last mini-comic that we would see the rise of Despera again, which leads us to where the last Shira variant can come in, guys. Starburst Shira. Because you know, He-Man's going to try and save her soul and bring her back to the light, and we can get the second variant of Shira. Well, I can honestly say I hate this bio. It made me cry, because I did not see Adora... Going back that way. Well, as a character, it is a regression. I mean, I like, I guess they're trying, this is how they're going to get that Despara figure in. And I do, I am going to say we are going to see a Despara figure. But here, this is their way of getting that DC figure into the current classics line. Okay, they they really, I guess they really like the idea of having Despara as the original, you know, Force Captain Adora design. And she was evil, she murdered, you know, she did all this, which is kind of like what we wanted. And then, of course, the character gets redeemed, she becomes She-Ra, you know, she fights all these battles, you know, saves Eternia, goes to space, all this, ends up in the last battle, and then she becomes evil again. Okay, uh, you know, you gotta end the story some point. That's why I said it leaves, leaves them with the opening. If they want to do that final variant on Shira, they could say somehow He-Man and the sorceress were able to bring her back, showing her the good, and that's when she becomes Starburst Shira. I know, but the story has to end at some point. I mean, Son of He-Man, all that, you know what I mean? One, it's a bad idea. We're not even going into the Son of He-Man stuff. I know, but this is leading up to it, because this is King Grayskull territory, this is... All that, you know, again, you know, the question is, well, how long was He-Man out? Because, you know, in the mini-comic, he ended up in that other day, in the Trollum dimension, and I guess time is different in that dimension to here. So, how long was he away? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm trying to find a way to say, to say in a nice way that this bio royally sucked. I kind of like the Shira kills Horde Prime by stabbing him into his own throne. Seeing him impaled in his own throne was a cool... I find it very stupid because... Oh yeah, by killing Horde... By defeating 
Horde Primes are killed everyone in the Horde. That just reeks of laziness. Like, oh, you killed the big bad. Oh, Catherine now suddenly turned old and died. Die. Everyone turns old and died. Boom. Lame. I'm sorry. That's that's just lame. And and the whole regression to the Sparrow, I know it's just Mattel's loophole to get at the Sparrow figure. It was uh, still in the loophole that they left in that last mini-comic. They had to explain why do we see the Sparrow with Skeletor on that last page with the co- Cosmic Enforcers. It's just it damages Shira's character the way when they could they could have used the Sparrow. That's another rant for another day. Basically, that was Force Captain Adora. The end. That's and maybe have a final battle between Adora and a physical manifestation of the Spara created by Horde Prime to show showing him what she would have ended up if she had stayed with the Horde. Very powerful the Spara. Blah 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 blah. And there you can toss into the Spara toy, but. Having She-Ra turn evil. It's basically taking a gigantic dump on She-Ra's character development. You know what? Here at this point, a clone would have made more sense. But all of a sudden, <laughs> now they're afraid of a clone? <laughs> <laughs> Things that can be cloned? No way, Jose. Things that cannot be cloned? Let's clone all the non-clonable things. And yes, if Despara shows up, be an Adora clone. Evil clone. Cause toys. Yeah. Crappiest of all the bios. This crappier than real blast real name. This would have been a good point to have a clone do the evil work. It would have made a whole lot more sense, wouldn't it? Yes, it would have made a lot more sense. You see, I okay, here's me revising it to make it a whole lot better. Okay? Shira killed Horde Prime, and in that moment they thought it was victory, but it turns out that Horde Prime actually cloned Adora and unleashed her and here, I would have had it like the Despara captured uh, Shira and held her prisoner, and Shira became, or you know, Despara became the new Horde Empress. Ooh, now that would have been better. See, and all this time, the real Shira would have been prisoner, you know, and all that, and everybody thinks Adora, you know, better story. But no, they just went this route. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. But. Who says you have to follow what the bios say, boys and girls? Throw it out the window and make up your own. I just wish as a consensus that the entire fan base would make a collective effort and say we're not going to look at them anymore. You know, as a consensus effort, you know, like somebody did a petition or something and, and made a public announcement saying these bios are bad. Stop it. We're done. Just give us the figures. We'll make our own storylines. Which is what we're all doing now. But it's too late to change it, blah, blah, blah. Retro, I think in retrospect, I just wish they were like, okay, He-Man, real name, Adam of House Miro, right? I'm using House Miro because Render is of House Miro, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a small bit of who he is. He's the Prince of Eternia. He's he's known to be a cat. He's seen by others as a coward because he runs away from, from battle, but in reality... Adam runs away to transform into him and the most powerful man on the universe. And then a small tidbit of what he can do, like how super, how super strong is he? How fast is he? The end. Man at arms. One of the general of King Randor's army, real name, Duncan. One of the three people who knows Adam's secret on Eternia. And general and trusted friend of King Randor, man at arms, fight, super tech, Eternia from evil. Then a list of his abilities with Mechanic, whatever. So and so and so with every character instead of having oh, try to combine things from style guides, from vintage toys, 
and some things just don't make sense, especially when we spend half of the bio describing characters' dresses. Hopefully the next storyline will just say, he's the end. So I think we are currently up to date on all, all the bios that have been released, boys, all the way up through, I believe, December, except for Gwildor, our holiday item. His bio is yet to be released. Don't expect much. <laughs> Maybe it will be blank so we can create our own. But I do have one announcement that I need to make. As we all know, PowerCon did not succeed, but members of the He-Man and she community of New York and New Jersey know that there were people with non-refundable tickets, and they're still coming out to New York. So we have gotten together and created the Power Party NYC, which will take place on September 13th at the Sessions House. The party's probably going to be starting around 6 o'clock because a few of our, one of our members, Brian, he's in an off-Broadway musical, which... We're all pushing, called Bedbugs. So appropriate for New York. And we're hoping that you guys will see his play and sign up to come to the Power Party. You do have to RSVP. If you're an org member, PM Princess Adora NJ, that's me on the org, or on Facebook, type in Power Party NYC and like us and post that you are coming. This is open to all he fan, she ravers, and gray scholars. And we want to show Mattel that you might have given up on us, but we haven't given up on our favorite toy line. So it should be a fun party, and more information will be coming out on Facebook and on the org, and I will be sending invitations to the other forums that He-Man and the Masters of the Universe have. Ninja has no day, say, day of sale, so by the sub. Oh, I almost forgot that, yes, they have said that Ninja no day of sales. Uh, Big Bad Toy Store, Toy Store have increased their uh, supply of Ninja since that release. I don't know if they still have any up for sale. It's another good reason why you need to buy a sub. We will be finding out about more. Sweepy also, there's no day of sales for her. I guess uh, He-Man claimed all the extras. <laughs> and on our next episode, we're going to be discussing the comic. We have three issues we haven't done. The first three of the Shearer arc. So we have a lot to discuss the next time. So remember, for all your He-Man and Shearer action figures, please go see MattyCollector.com on the 15th of every month so you can get your figures. Also, any of the Evergreen Essentials. And stop by eman.org for all your news-related items. And remember to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TGR Club. Till next time, good journey. Okay, wishing you all a good journey. Hi, Leonie. Good journey. And Randy Crespo saying good journey and buy the sub before Vermista kills you too. <laughs> <laughs>